Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Family, given that we're going to give you a key scripture today and before we go into God's word, we want to go ahead and make our Bible confession. If you would, please lift up your Bible. doesn't matter to me the form it takes. It's the living word of God. Let's say that confession. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed. And I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name. Our key scripture today is going to come from Matthew chapter 7. In the voice Bible, starting in verse 15, I'm doing 15 through 18. It reads, along the way, watch out for false prophets. This is Jesus talking. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath that quaint and innocent wool, they are hungry wolves. But you will recognize them by their fruits. You don't find sweet, delicious grapes growing on thorny bushes, do you? You don't find delectable figs growing in the midst of prickly thistles. People and their lives are like trees. Good trees bear beautiful, tasty fruit, but bad trees bear ugly, bitter fruit. A good tree cannot bear ugly, bitter fruit, nor can a bad tree bear fruit that is beautiful and tasty. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, your word that is reliable, true, and divine. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. And I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. We also pray, God, that everybody here and under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. God, we're not talking about something that's going to happen years from now or months from now or days or weeks from now. God, we're talking about something that will change their lives in an instant. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Loved ones, Why don't we just go ahead and start off where we left off? That's usually a good place to start from. We are on the subject of forgiveness. And the last session concluded with me giving you a statement. Observe this statement because I want us to say this together. For those of you who heard the message from last week and for those of you who were here last week, of course, This statement will look familiar to you. Turn your attention to the monitors. 
Nope. Go to the other one, please. What the statement will, will read, I want to say it together, is it reads, if you struggle to forgive yourself, you will struggle to forgive other people. So I want you to say that with me. Say, if you struggle, if you struggle to forgive yourself, to forgive yourself you, will you will struggle to forgive other people. Now, there is no direct scripture that I have for that statement. None. Recall, I already told you that. Where that statement comes from is it comes from just a lifetime of, you know, observing people and doing some soul searching of myself. That statement, I believe, is true because, listen, it comes from me, something I found from a lifetime of just doggone observing life. Once again, the premise of the word forgive, which is the root of the word forgiveness is as follows. Here we go. Here's the premise. The premise, and you will see it because it's, it's, it's the one that was up there before, right? <laughs> the origin of the word forgive is to give up desire or power to punish. Family, when you beat yourself up and beat yourself up and beat yourself up and beat yourself up, over something that has happened in the past, what you have done is that you have somehow made the conclusion that as far as you con you're concerned, you deserve to be punished for your error. Internally, that error becomes a relational debt. And what you do to extract payment from yourself is you continually, to, you continually condemn yourself. That's your way of extracting punishment from you, from yourself for the relational debt that you have given yourself. What that means, bottom line, is you are operating in unforgiveness towards yourself. You, you have decided that you are not going to give up the desire to punish yourself. Except Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to hold on to that and you're going to retain that thing. You, you want to punish yourself for the error that you made. You are in a state of unforgiveness. And you know what? Whenever I hear that word unforgiveness, two other words immediately come to my mind. Those words are resentment and bitterness. Those two words mean similar things. When you think about those two words, if you were to kind of boil down the essence of those words, here's what you would get. They, they kind of mean that you have a strong, disagreeable feeling, anger or disdain against an individual or individuals. Why? Because of something they said, because of something they did, because of what they stand for, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The, the bottom line is when you are in a state of unforgiveness against yourself, you have resentment and bitterness against you. That's what's going on. And that's what gets me 
to my statement. Take me back to my statement. <clears throat> Looking at my people with the caps in their eyes. You feel me? My statement is, if you struggle to forgive yourself, then you will struggle to forgive others. Look, if you struggle to forgive yourself, if you struggle to forgive you, odds are, odds are, you, you, ain't, you, ain't, you ain't got no problem not forgiving other people. If you struggle to forgive you, you will, odds are, struggle to forgive other people because the resentment and the bitterness that you have towards yourself is evidence that most likely you can hold on to past hurt. If you struggle to forgive yourself, you will, odds are, struggle to forgive other people. Why? Because the simple fact that you have bitterness and resentment against yourself is evidence that what? Oh, you can probably hold on to a grudge. <clears throat> if you struggle to forgive yourself, anybody that crosses your feelings in a bad way, those folks are unknowingly putting an open flame next to a powder keg of resentment and bitterness. And that powder keg, by the way, probably has a short fuse at best. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Listen, family. If you struggle to forgive yourself, I'm talking about you and you. <laughs> Two people having a conversation, but one person present. If you struggle to forgive yourself, most likely you're going to struggle to forgive other people. <clears throat> when you are struggling to forgive yourself, somebody can look at you and by all outside appearances, you can appear copacetic. You like that word? <laughs> Old school. I, 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 reach, I reach back in the kitty <laughs> and pull that word forward. Copacetic. Hey, I, I reach back. I, I, hey, I pull that word back from you know, from the times when bell bottoms and afros first got started. Huh? Yes. Copacetic. I pulled that word back from the days when people used to look at each other and call each other cool breeze or jive turkey. <laughs> when people used to sing about having a diamond in the back, sunroof top, digging the scene with the can't gangster lean. Hoo hoo. Y'all don't know about that. <laughs> or maybe you do know about that. You might go home and dust them bell bottoms off tonight. Put that Afro wig on them hoop earrings, be up in the mirror doing your thing. 
you know, copacetic. Just kind of getting, getting us back on the, on, on the thing here. Listen, if you struggle to forgive yourself, anybody who crosses your feelings in a bad way can be in for a rude awakening. If you're struggling to forgive yourself, and, by the way, they already know you claim to be Christian. So when they come in your way, when they in your presence, when y'all in the same room, when they hear your name, they might already be thinking that, you know, you are Mr. Forgiver Brother. They just don't know that you really are Mr. Resina, brother. Mr. Resina, sister. Because you claim to be Christian, they may look at you and think, you know what? You Mrs. Forgive a brother. But they just don't know. Your nickname might as well be Barbara Bitterness. Robert, Roberta resentful. Hey, I like this one. Sally one strike. <laughs> you ain't got much room with me. Cross me if you want to. You ain't got but one time. You know, because you present yourself in a certain way, in their minds, somehow, you got this forgiveness on tap that you can give out. But they just don't know. Because you struggle to forgive yourself, doggone it, if I will hold something against me, you know I'll hold something against you. But the truth is, you don't know. But now you know. If you struggle to forgive yourself, Hey, listen, more than likely, you sure enough ain't got no issue with holding unforgiveness against somebody else. Who not you? If you struggle to forgive yourself, then you will struggle to forgive others. That is why we put so much time and effort and teaching about you need to forgive yourself. The hope was that you forgiving yourself by knowing that God has already forgiven you would, would liberate you. And once you are no longer, look, holding unforgiveness against yourself, the hope is you will open up your heart to forgive other people. That's what the word of God tells us to do. Forgive other people. Listen to this in the book of Ephesians. If you look in Ephesians, it's going to be in chapter 4. I'm reading out of the easy-to-read version. I'm going to be reading verses 31 through 32. It reads this way. Never be bitter, angry, or mad. Never shout angrily or say things to hurt others. Never do anything evil. 
be kind and loving to, uh, to each other. Forgive each other the same as God forgave you through Christ. Last week, we were saying, listen, God is forgiving you. Why are you holding unforgiveness against yourself? And here we go. God has forgiven you so thoroughly. He has extended forgiveness to you. Why in the world aren't you willing to extend forgiveness to somebody else? It, it's, it says, forgive each other the same as God forgave you through Christ. God wants us to forgive each other, family, and he's serious about it. When Jesus was giving an example of how to pray, he, con he, conveyed, he conveyed these words in Matthew chapter 6, also the easy to read version. Verses 14 through 15. This is what Jesus said. He said, yes, if you forgive others for the wrongs they do to you, then your father in heaven will also forgive your wrongs. But if you don't forgive others, then your father in heaven will not forgive the wrongs you do. That sounds serious. Now, however different ways people teach that and whatever people going to kind of tell you that, that that means, we're not talking about that today. The bottom line, though, is them they serious words. No matter how you decide you're going to teach it, Jesus, he's not parting hairs there. He's serious. Also, go to Matthew chapter 18. We've already taught about the parable of the unforgiving servant. It's the case where a king punished a servant that he had already forgiven of a significant, very large debt because that very same servant did not display the same kind of mercy to another person. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 18, verse 35. This time, the voice version of the Bible. As Jesus is concluding the parable, he says this. And that is what my father in heaven will do to you unless you forgive each of your brothers and of your sister and each of your sisters from the very cockles of your heart. Now, look at that. I like this out of the voice version because it throws in brothers and sisters for all them folk that be trying to just make the Bible about dudes. You know, they, they, they like to find stuff that women can't do and then make that part of, you know, what they do, what they say you got to do. And, and I, I like it how when things put it in all genders. Because God's not dividing what he wants us to do between a male spirit and a female spirit. But Jesus says this, he says, and that is what my father in heaven will do to you. Keep in mind, the king had punished this guy for not showing mercy. And that is what my father in heaven will do to you unless you forgive each of your brothers and each of your sisters from the very cockles of your heart. Now, that word caught me cockles. Because I read that a couple times. I tried to go by it, but then my mind wouldn't let it go. And I was like, okay, God, I understand this is your word, but doggone it, I ain't got no cockles in my heart. 
Nobody know what no cockle is. That sounds like something that you don't want to have in, in your heart. You go to your, the doctor and the doctor say, ooh, I got something to tell you. You're like, what's wrong, doctor? I looked at your x-ray. What's wrong, doctor? You're in my right. Doctor, tell me right now. Dog going to, boy, you got cockles. <laughs> doctor, don't tell me I got cockles. Say, dog going, you got cockles. But you know what? Then I, I, I calmed myself down and then, you know, I had a discussion with Google. <laughs> maybe Google, Google, maybe you can help a brother out because right now I feel like I got, you know, I might have cockles. <laughs> but Google was a help. Let me show you. For those of you who are wondering what cockles are, from your old school, Back in school's days, you know, your heart has four chambers. And the cockles are the ventricles, which are the bottom two chambers of your heart. So when it says, or Jesus says, forgive them from the very cockles of your heart, being that cockles are the ventricles or the lower part of your heart, what he's really saying is, you need to forgive somebody from the bottom of your heart. You need to forgive somebody and forgive them from the bottom of your heart. Don't tell me that God's not serious about that thing. God expects you to forgive somebody and get this, forgive them for real. Now, y'all know how long I have been blessed to be married to Miss Greta. I'm talking a long time. And, and the, 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 the kind of the thing that, that we, always, we always say is like, you know, we have been married as of today. We have been married together longer than we've been apart. Think about that math. We've been married and on this earth longer than we've just been on this earth living just by ourselves, just as single people. But when we're talking about these cockles, as married folk, I'm going to tell you, way back early in our relationship, we weren't necessarily forgiving forgiving each other from these cockles. We weren't necessarily forgiving each other for real. Now, I know I tell a whole bunch of just different little Smith stories about Miss Greta, but this one I'm going to tell about me. I'm going to tell you right now, there have been many times when Greta and I were initially married and doing this thing where she would come up and she'd say, you forgive me, and I'd say, yes, I ain't forgive her for real. I ain't sitting there looking at your face. I'm saying I forgive, but I don't, I don't forgive you for real. I'm not forgiving you from the very cockles of my heart. I'm way above the cockles. Hey, family, you got to understand, I'm saying I forgive you, but not because I really forgive you. 
I say I forgive you because doggone it, I'm tired of talking about it. I want you to just be quiet and leave me alone. You're chewing my ear off. I'm done. That's inside. But on the outside, okay, sweetie, I forgive you. But, but that's not coming from the bottom of my heart. What she don't know is her husband, hey, Mr. Resina sister, is just telling you, I forgive you to get you to leave me alone because I don't want to talk about this no more. And by the way, I'm still holding on to that little piece of resentment against you for the very next time you do that thing again, I can say, I told you so. That's why I ain't forgive you in the first place. Jesus says, and that is what my father in heaven will do to you unless you forgive each of your brothers and each of your sisters from the very cockles of your heart. God is serious about this forgiving thing. Go to Luke 17. I'm in the easy to read version this time, and Jesus is going to tell his disciples something. In Luke 17, verse 3 and 4, Jesus says this, so be careful. Mm. Everybody say be careful. Just be careful. I like that he say be careful here. And I'm going to tell you why I like, why he said, why I like that he said be careful. But let's read it first. So be careful if your brother or sister in God's family does something wrong, warn them. If they are sorry for what they did, forgive them. Even if they do something wrong to you seven times in one day, but they say they are sorry each time, you should forgive them. Now let's, let's go back to the beginning of that so they can, they can see it. Because sometimes it's, I know I flip-flop from versions from time to time, and it's hard to pick it up, especially if you just got the amplified in front of you like, uh, I don't really see that. But let's check this out. He say, be careful. And I like to say, he say, be careful. Because I already read it to you. I'm going to say it. Then we'll read it. I like that he say, be careful. He said, be careful because just because my interpretation, don't go looking for this, my interpretation. So be careful because... Just because you claim to be a follower of the way, it don't mean that you're going to do this. Be careful. I'm getting ready to tell you something, but you need to be careful because what I'm getting ready to tell you, you might think, oh, I can do that, but it ain't going to be easy. So I go ahead and tell you in advance, be, be, be careful. It's like when you ask somebody for some help and you got some heavy stuff to move, and they be like, I, before you answer, you know, before you answer, I got some work for you. I can do it before you answer. It's heavy stuff. You want to make sure before they get that, 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 oh, yeah, I got this, that you want to give them a warning up first. Hey, caution sign. Be careful. So here we go. Jesus says, be careful. 
If your brother or sister in God's family does something wrong, warn them. If they say sorry for what they did, forgive them. Even if they do something wrong to you seven times in one day. My God, they come into the kitty too many times. If they do something wrong seven times in one day, but they say they are sorry each time, you should forgive them. Now, go back to the beginning again where he say, so be careful. Now, I already gave you one thing about be careful. Let me tell you the other, be careful. You need to be careful and cautious. This is for us now. This, this is me putting some more be careful on the be careful I already gave you. In this scenario, notice, it is saying you, to, you are to forgive somebody if they say, I'm sorry. But what if you never see that person again? What, what if you never talk to that person again? What if it's unhealthy or illegal or not practical for you to even be exchanging words with that person again? What if you never get that I'm sorry? You forgive that person, whoever that person is, whether you get that I'm sorry or not. Jesus is not implying that you have to wait for an I'm sorry to forgive somebody. The actions that you take regarding forgiving somebody are actions that you take regardless of what they do. Jesus is not giving you a get out of forgiveness free card because somebody didn't come up to you and apologize. Check it. Mark chapter 11. In the easy to read version. Because we're going to review another instance where Jesus instructs us to forgive. He was having a conversation with his disciples about faith. And this is what he responds to Peter. Mark 11, starting in verse 24. I'm reading 24 and 25 out of the easy to read. He starts off, so I tell you to ask for what you want in prayer. And if you believe that you receive those things, then they will be yours. When you are praying and you remember that you are angry with another person about something, forgive that person, forgive them so that your father in heaven will also forgive your sins. This is an example where Jesus says, listen, you are in fellowship with the father. You are, you are communing with God. And while you are communing with God, you remember that you mad with somebody. It reads, when you are praying and you remember 
that you are angry with another person about something. Now, Jesus didn't tell you, now what I want you to do, I want you to stop praying. You know, you might be on your knees. Get off your knees. Go put on some pants. You just got on pajamas. Go put on, some, go put on some clothes. Get your keys. Make sure you find out where that person is. Drive over to them. Make sure you sit them down and you tell them what the deal is and you get your apologies on and you get the forgiveness on and then you get back in your car and you drive back to your house. You can take your clothes off now because you already did what you're going to do and get back down and finish praying to God. He didn't say that. Jesus say, while you are praying to God, and you remember at that moment that you mad, fed up, done with somebody, you forgive them then. Don't go and try to find them. Don't go and try to figure out a reason why you need to wait. You forgive them right then. You make the move. Forgive them. The implication there being that if you want a good relationship where you commune freely with the Father, if you want that relationship where you and God just have this relationship, where there is this free-flowing free exchange of you talking to him, him talking to you, him, him, him reading the desires of your heart and fulfilling those things, if you want that good, healthy relationship with God, you can't bring unforgiveness into the mix. And look, when you are praying and you remember, why do you remember you angry with somebody but when you pray? Listen, you ain't, you ain't remember you was angry with them before you start praying. That is God trying to tap you in your heart. He's saying, get that out of there. I can't commune with you like that. Get that out of there. I can't talk to you like that. Get that out of there. We ain't talking like we're supposed to talk. Get that out of there. I don't want that mess in here. Get that out of there. You come here with me. Don't come in here with that unforgiveness mess. When you are praying and you remember. You remember because God said, what is that? What you done brought up in here? This is about me and you. What's, what, what's, what's Sheila doing up in that time? What you bringing Richard up in here for? What your mama doing in here? We ain't praying about her. Why your, why, your, why your boss standing between me and you? Your husband face doing it here. I love him, but get him out of there. What's your wife mug doing there? I'm trying to look at you, but her face keep popping up. What you got against her? When you are praying and you remember that you are angry with somebody, deal with it right then. Deal with it. Deal with it. You make the first move. Jesus ain't, Jesus, Jesus not, Jesus not telling you to kind of figure out a way to, you know, put it on the shelf. Okay, God, here's what we're going to do. I got to, hey, I'll put that in the parking lot, right? You got, you got your, you got your little, you got your little flip chart with God. You're like, God's like, okay, listen, I want you to go and you need to for, for, forgive 
uh, Barbara right now. Okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. We're going we're gonna to park this, right, God? We're going to put this on the parking lot, and I'm going to put this on my to-do list. Listen, I'm going to put it in my phone, and I'm not going to forget it. And so what we're going to do is I promise I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this over here, God, and I'm going to do it. But right now, can we finish fellowship? Because there's some things I want to ask you about, God. But I promise as soon as we're done, I'm going to handle this. God's like, get show behind up. And I want you to forgive that person right now. Why? Because God is serious about forgiveness. He is serious about you forgiving other people. Let's look at another example. Look at Matthew chapter 5 in the voice version of the Bible. It's another example of where Jesus is talking about when it comes to forgiveness, you initiate the first move. Don't be waiting on nothing. You initiate the first move. Starting in verse 23, Matthew 5, the voice. This is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, if you are bringing an offering to God and you remember that your brother is angry at you or holds a grudge against you, then leave your gift before the altar, go to your brother, repent, and forgive one another, be reconciled, and then return to the altar to offer your gift to God. Now, here's, an, here's another scenario. But this time, a person is upset with you. You're not mad at, you're not mad at them. Listen here. You, you, you might have just learned that they're mad at you. Three minutes ago, you ain't even know. And you remember that your brother or sister is angry at you or holds a grudge against you. Now, in this scenario, years and years ago, when I first read that, I was expecting Jesus to give me like a, a, a little pass there. You know, I mean, Jesus, you know, he's the the... the author and the finisher. He, he, he know everything. Now you know God, I got enough on my plate to be hunting down rascals that's mad at me, but I'm good. I mean, you're asking me to put in some work now. Why, why in the flip-flop am I going to have to go get them? I'm not, I'm good. I'm expecting Jesus to give me a pass there. But he does not. He don't give me a pass. He says that if you know somebody has some art against you, you make the first move. You take the initiative and you go and at least make the first extension of trying to get forgiveness to be the state of existence. You remember. And once again, just to tie that into what we were talking about before, don't, don't be coming, God's like, don't be coming all up in here and you get, and unforgiveness is out there. God is serious about people's hearts and God is serious about us forgiving others. Us being forgiving between each other. Jesus says, 
Therefore, if you are bringing an offering to God and you remember that your brother is angry at you or holds a grudge against you, then leave your gift before the altar. Go to your brother, repent and forgive one another, be reconciled, and then return to the altar and offer your gift to God. I was like, now, Jesus, this might be the translators. So I'm going to say that up front. But Jesus, you start this thing off by saying, if I remember that this guy mad with me. And then, if I could say so, Lord, you got the nerve to say. Go to your brother. Repent? Me? What I'm repenting for? Now, I, I, I get the whole forgive one another and, you know, hug and make up, fist bump, you know, go get some chicken wings, whatever we going to do. But repent? What am I repenting for? Here's what God told me. You repent because I had to tell you to go. You repent because you had the nerve to believe you could give me an offering with unforgiveness in your heart or in your realm or in your society or in your area. It says you remember so you knew that unforgiveness was out there and you had the nerve to try to slip in a gift to me. So, yeah, you repent for that. The fact that you weren't big enough to make the first move. The fact that you let that linger so long. Let me go ahead and jump two feet in here, so I'm already, I'm already a little wet. Let's go ahead and get up to my neck. You got a brother or a sister or a husband or a wife or a best friend, and you know something ain't right. You know you at odds, or they at odds with, odds with you. It ain't got to be nothing that you did. Read the scripture for yourself. But you know that it exists. But you're thinking that you're cool. You're thinking that you're good because you the one ain't got no issue. It's their problem. If they want to deal with this, they can come to me. And one week turn into two. Two weeks turn into three. A weeks, months go by, years go by, decades go by, and now you ain't talk to that person, and you got to look in the yearbook to see what, what they look like. You got to go and try to find them on Facebook to see how they doing, because why? It all started with you thinking they need to come to me first. God saying, repent. But God they the one got the problem. God says, if they got a problem, we got a problem. You can't call yourself the body and then separate arm from limb. You can't call yourself body and take your neck off and let your torso go elsewhere. You can't call yourself a body and go lopping off feet. You can't call yourself a body and grab your nose, cut it off, and throw it out the window. You can't call yourself a body. Don't you look at me and tell me it's their problem. If it's their problem, it's our problem. If it's our problem, it's the body's problem. You get your forgiveness on because unforgiveness don't work with God. 
it don't work. If, if, if you getting ready to do anything for God and you remember that somebody is angry, upset, got all in unforgiveness against you, at least take the opportunity to try. The bottom line in all these things that I've been telling you is this. When it comes to how God looks at everything, as a believer, as believers, we are to promptly promote and facilitate and, and push and whatever word you want to put, forgiveness. We ought to be quick to do it, prompt to do it. We ought to provide it. We ought to promote it. We ought to facilitate it. Forgiveness. That's the bottom line. As believers, that's what we should be doing. Now, you guys are looking at me so serious. But I know it's a serious topic. But now, check this out. We've gone through all this chitter-chatter and talk about how serious God is about us forgiving folk. Forgiving each other. We well, talked about forgiving yourself, but each other, the us and the we all thing. We already talked about that. But get this. If after hearing, hearing all that, all this, you know, ha, this energy that I'm giving out concerning what we're talking about today. If after hearing all that stuff, if down deep in your heart, down in them cockles, if you say, I can't do that. I mean, I, I said it comically, but let me be serious with you. If after we've dispensed everything we've dispensed concerning the way God sees unforgiveness, and you still look at me and you say to yourself, I ain't going to do that. If from the bottom of your heart you say, listen, I don't see how I'm going to have that unhesitant unlimited forgiveness just to give somebody like that. I, don't, I, I ain't going to do that. If after hearing all of this from the bottom of your heart, what you say is, I hear you, pastor, but then down deep in your heart, you got images of faces of people that you say, I ain't going to never forgive them. If after all of this, Whatever unforgiveness for it don't matter how many years you've had it. It don't matter what they did. It don't matter how you feel about it. But if after all of this down deep in your heart, when you see that image of that person face in your mind, you say to yourself. Hell of freeze over. Before I ever. Consider the idea of possibly, maybe, probably forgiving them. If that's what you say, then family, that brings to the forefront a very critical question. What kind of tree are you? Huh? You tell me. If you can hold on to that kind of unforgiveness and just refuse 
I got to know what kind of tree are you? What kind of tree? I want you to observe something. Because, family, when I say what kind of tree, I want you to know, even though I pose it as a question, that's really not anything for you to answer. You just be quiet. Your fruit answers for you. When, 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 when I ask myself, what kind of tree am I? You know what? I personally, I just need to, I just need to be silent. Because if I want to know what kind of tree I am, my fruit answers for me. Loved ones, what kind of tree are you? Your fruit answers for you. Is the fruit hanging off your branches the sweet fruit of forgiveness or is it the bitter fruit of unforgiveness? What kind of tree are you? Let me show you an image of a tree with three fruits beneath it. Now, you are, you are familiar with these fruits, I believe. We have, just to make sure, when you see that tree above and those three fruits, that first fruit on the left is what? It's an apple. The fruit in the middle is what? An orange. And ah, the fruit on the right is what? That's ah, a peach. It's a peach, but it looks like it's different fruits, right? But it's a, it's, it's a peach. I want to make sure we got, we got it, because when I give my example, I want nobody to think of apricot or something, a nectarine or something. That's a nectarine. Listen, I think nectarines is a man-made thing. Nectarine, that don't even sound like something you need to be eating. A nectarine. That's a peach, family. But here we go. Now, family. That tree above, an apple tree produces what? Apples. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. An apple tree produces apples. Yet, <laughs> check me now. Yet, it's the apple. It's the fruit that identifies and confirms the tree. It's the fruit that stands as the evidence to justify the tree's name. Now, an orange tree produces oranges, yet it is the orange, it is the fruit that identifies and confirms the tree. It is that fruit, it is that orange. That is the thing that stands as the evidence to actually justify the tree's name. A peach tree produces peaches. You know what I'm saying? Georgia peaches. You feel me? I get my peaches down in Georgia. You feel me? Listen, peaches. Peaches. Georgia peaches. 
Them things right there come from a peach tree, but guess what? It's that actual fruit. It's the peach that identifies and confirms the tree. It's not the tree. It is the fruit family that stands as evidence to justify the tree's name. An apple tree can say all it wants. It can claim that it's an orange tree. Check this. Somebody else can even tell you that it's an orange tree. But the moment that rascal sprouts an apple, that apple refutes the claim. And the existence of that apple stands as proof for what that tree really is, an apple tree. An orange tree can claim all it wants to be that it's a peach tree, but doggone it, the moment that rascal sprouts up an orange, the existence of that orange refutes the claim and stands as proof that that thing really is it's an orange tree. What about this peach? It can say, hey, 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 I'm an I'm a apple tree. But you know what? Just because it says it is, just because somebody else says it is, it don't matter. Just watch. Just wait. Just give it a little time. Because the moment that rascal sprouts a peach, I don't care whether or not you claim to be an apple tree, the fruit that you produce stands as evidence to refute your claim. It is the proof that you really are a peach tree. Family, what kind of tree are you? Now, you can claim you love God. You can claim that you are a God tree. And if you are a God tree, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 4, NIV Bible, verses 20 through 21. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Give me them words, folks, on the screen. Let them see it for themselves. You claim that you a God tree. Now, according to this, it says, if we say we love God but hate any of our brothers or sister in his family, we are liars. You can claim all you want to that you a God tree. You can claim all you want to that you got the mind of Christ. You can claim all you want to that you got the Holy Ghost inside, that you Holy Ghost feel baptized. You can tell me that you're born again. You can tell me that you're saved. You can tell me how many people you brought to Christ. Tell me how long you pray. You can tell me how much offerings you give. You can tell me how many places you serve in. You can tell me how long you've been at the church. You can tell me things over and over and over and over again. You can tell me that, listen, I got a, I got a membership of 10,000. You can tell me that you go on mission trips. You can tell me anything you want to, but doggone it, if I'm looking at your branches and the fruit of your tree is hate, you lying, fam. 
if you claim to be a God tree, I don't care how much Bible you read. If you claim to be a God tree, I don't care how much you say that you are one in the way, that you're a disciple of Christ. If you claim to be a God tree, but the fruit hanging off your branches is hate. The Bible says we are liars. If we don't love someone we have seen, how can we love God? We have never seen him. You can claim all you want to be, all you want to be a God tree. My question is, hey, what kind of tree are you? And, and you know what? Let's check your fruit. That's not for you to answer. You can tell me you have the mind of Christ. You can tell me that you Holy Ghost feeling fire baptized. You can go through all this effort to convince me that you are a God tree or a Holy Spirit tree or a Jesus tree. The bottom line is this. You just shut up and be quiet and let me examine your fruit. I'll tell you what kind of tree you are. And if you claim to be a Jesus tree, then the fruit of the spirit should be hanging from your branches. Galatians says this, because this is the fruit that should abound. In the Passion Translation, Galatians 5, verses 19 through 23. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexually, sexual immor immor immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temp temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and other similar behaviors. What a list. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom, in quotes, for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God, but... The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. Say, what's that fruit, Pastor? The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Now let's put this in a bow for you. I'm going to show you an image. It's an image of a tree with certain things hanging from its branches. Now, a bad tree has certain things, and a good tree has certain things. For the bad tree, we can call it a non-Jesus tree. 
for the good tree, we can go ahead and call it the Jesus tree. If we want to know something, if something is a bad tree, we don't ask the tree. We look upward at its fruit. If we see unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, hate, and so on, baby, you're a bad tree. Why? Because your, your fruit tells me so. If you are a good tree or a Jesus tree, what do you have? Forgiveness, love, joy, faith, peace, gentleness, patience, strength, kindness, virtue, etc. That's the fruit that's going to be hanging on your tree if you are a good tree. Now, these trees that you see before you here, there is a benefit to being a good tree. And there are pitfalls in being a bad tree. Let's show you that. When you think about this, the pitfalls of being a bad tree, we're going to throw these at you quickly. You are shackled to the past. It cripples your future relationships. Because of what somebody did for you in the, in, in, in the past, because you you holding on to unforgiveness and resentment, it stops you from moving forward into new relationships. They ain't do that to you. But your memory holds it against anybody that looks like the person that did it to you. A pitfall. It cripples future relationships. It provides health stressors. Unforgiveness will kill you literally. It hinders fellowship with God. God don't want that mess up in there. Another pitfall, you are being an example that drives others away from God. They look at you, you claim to be Christian, you can't forgive nobody. Ain't nobody want to be that. Will you come and, and, and be a part of, of the family of God? Not if they act like you. At least, at least my hellion friends, they forgive me. But listen, if you're going to be, if you're a good tree, there are benefits of being a good tree. What are those benefits? You are happy and freer. You're free from the past. You can now live your life. It promotes future relationships. You're not holding somebody else accountable for somebody, something somebody else did. So you can enjoy the fullness of the relationship with them, whether it's friendship or whatever. You avoid health stressors. I ain't got unforgiveness giving me high blood pressure and all that stuff. Listen, you have unhindered fellowship between you and God. Now, it's, it's, it's the spirit is clear. And being an example of a good tree is an example that draws people to God. It doesn't repel them. Family, if you claim, now I want you to look at this, because we finna, we, finna, we finna close you down. If you look at this image, bad tree on the left, good tree on the right, the bad tree fruits all that bitterness and whatnot, and the good tree fruits all that love and peace and patience 
and just being kind, all that stuff. If, if you claim to be a good tree, but your fruit over here, You claim to be a good tree, and every time we look at your branches, we see unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness and hate and everything that don't go with a good tree. One or two things exist. Either you really are a good tree, and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit when he gives you an unction to forgive, when he gives you an unction to stop hating folk, when he gives you an unction to stop being bitter toward folk, when he gives you an unction to, hey, you really should let me sprout some good fruit because you a good tree. Either that's the case or you ain't here. You over here. If you are a tree and you are producing bad fruit, either you are a good tree who's not listening to the Holy Spirit, or my dear ones, you are a bad tree. You a bad tree. Jesus is not Lord of your life. Don't tell me that. You do not have the spirit of God on the inside of you. Don't tell me that. If it's not the first case, if you're not a good tree that is just resistant to the Holy Spirit, then you are a bad tree and you need to be saved. Don't tell me that you are. Because it's the fruit that justifies the claim of what the tree is, not the tree. My closing words are these. If you are truly a good tree, grow up spiritually. Stop grieving the Holy Spirit and forgive. Forgive other people. If you really are a good tree, stop grieving God's spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3, verses 30 through 32 in the voice Bible says this. It's time to stop bringing grief to God's Holy Spirit. Look at that. Family, it's time today. Not, we're not going to put it on the board to do for later. It's time to stop bringing grief, grief to God's Holy Spirit. You have been sealed with the Spirit, marked as his own for the day of rescue. Banish bitterness. Let that fruit go. Banish bitterness, bitterness, rage, and anger, shouting. I'm going to come back to that quickly. Shouting and slander and any and all malicious thoughts, these are poison. All that shouting and getting in people's face and slander, I can't let nobody be, I ain't, I, ain't gonna, I ain't no pushover. 
Stop grieving the Holy Spirit. I'll go this far too. Stop letting the model of who you are come from somebody that's got a YouTube channel. Just because somebody got money and they figure out a way to market themselves and give advice, why that's your advice? You a good tree. You already have an advisor. Ain't got the nerve to talk about them people on a first name basis like they your friend. I'm not going to call no name, but you know what I'm talking about. I was watching so-and-so and, you know, just the just name. Wilma said, you don't know Wilma. <laughs> Why she your advisor? Now, she glad that you're watching because all them likes and all them, them, them subscribers that she got is loading her pocket. But that shouldn't be the food for your spirit. Anyway, it's time to stop grieving God's Holy Spirit. You have been sealed with the Spirit, marked as his own for the day of rescue. Banish bitterness, rage and anger, shouting and slander, and any and all malicious thoughts. These are poison, family. I'm going to say it. Those things are poison. You know what I'm saying? They're poison. That's right. They're poison. It says, instead of bringing grief to God's Holy Spirit, instead do this. Be kind and compassionate. Let your fruit be real. Graciously forgive one another just as God has forgiven you through the anointed, our liberating king. Family, if you really are a good tree, stop grieving the Holy Spirit and just forgive. And for those of you who are bad trees, maybe you ain't even know to the day that you are a bad tree. But you can, as long as you're honest with the examination, you can examine your fruit. A little honest self-examination ain't never hurt nobody. But if you are a bad tree, do yourself a favor. And flip the script on the devil. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Submit to God's spirit. And allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you out of resentment and out of bitterness into a state where you are producing the God kind of fruit. One of which is the sweet fruit of forgiveness for others. God's serious about forgiveness, loved ones. And we should be too. The question that I want you to wrestle with from this point forward until you get it solid and right. Is what kind of tree are you? And what I mean, get it solid and right, is get your behind to be a good tree. I'm not telling you to say, I'm a bad tree, I'm good. Got to make sure we're going to be clear. 
Look in the mirror of God's word. Let the Holy Spirit work with you. You find out what kind of tree you are. And if the tree you are don't match up with his word, uproot that rascal, put a new seed in the ground and become a new tree. Don't you stay that bad tree. And if you a good tree, stop grieving the Holy Spirit. Let your good fruit pop up on your branches. We good? Are we good? All right, all right. I love you so much. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here, and we appreciate you giving us the knowledge that if we really want to know where we stand spiritually, what we really need to do is take a look at our fruit. My prayer today is simply that everyone does the right amount of inventory to ensure that they are a good tree, to take the actions necessary to make sure they are a good tree, to take the actions necessary to free up God themselves for the fruit of the Spirit to abound. Unforgiveness has to go. Hatred, bitterness, resentment has to go. It's serious on your radar, and so it's top shelf for us. And we love you, Lord, for allowing us to have the Holy Spirit to help us with that journey. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.